Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Not that guy again, right? That's what you were thinking, right? Sorry. I didn't think I'd be up here again this week either, but funny things happen. Speaking of funny things, I got to share a very funny joke with you last week, and I think that because of that, I have earned the right to share my favorite jokes. Um, and so I, I will share, come on, that was a good joke last week. Come on. I mean, that was, that was really good. Chuck Norris jokes. Uh, for those of you that don't know Chuck Norris, um, Texas Walker Ranger, that guy. This is, this is who we're talking about right here. So these are my favorite jokes. And so I'm going to share a couple of them with you. Superman challenged Chuck Norris to a fight one time. The loser had to wear their underwear outside of their pants. <laughs> Come on, there's a couple asking some of you got it because Superman, you know, he sort of wears that. <clears throat> Chuck Norris proved that we are alone in the universe. Before his first space expedition, it wasn't the case. But after the space expedition, this, ah, come on, right? Like he went out there and he killed everybody out there in the whole universe. I hate it when I have to explain jokes, right? Right? Like Annika gets these. We enjoy these at home so much. Okay, maybe this one will work. Chuck Norris destroyed the periodic table because he only recognizes the element of surprise. Yeah, that's a good one. That's so good. Okay, this is something that Chuck and I have in common. Actually, we do. Chuck Norris can clap with one hand. Right, Annika? But so can we. That's great. And last but not least, COVID gets a vaccine shot from Chuck Norris. But we have to put that in there because that's the world we live in. Actually, speaking of all those things, okay, we're done with the jokes now. I'm going to speak seriously to you for a minute. Uh, Pastor and Robin are done with quarantine this coming week here, so they will be back next week, right? Like, aren't you so excited? Right? Yes. Finally, they get to come back. Good. And I, I am 99.8% sure that I will not be preaching here next week, okay? So that's, no, that is, no, you need your pastor back. Okay, so we've been talking about parties, talking about the, uh, you know, wonderful party series here, following Jesus is not boring whatsoever. And we started off a few weeks ago when, you know, Harvest Palooza would normally take place, the huge party up at South Central Park, and so much fun up there. It turned into Harvest Pond Palooza, like how they did that there. And there was like 12 baptisms, 14 baptisms, something like that. Just wonderful, amazing. Not the huge, crazy blowout that normally is there, but just a wonderful, amazing party there. I got to talk to you last week about the gospel. I'm going to talk to you today about that as well. And I, I was thinking about um, parties that have lasted too long in my life. Um, one, well, actually two parties that I can think of in particular were when Annika, my daughter, turned eight, and when she turned nine, uh, there were like 
I don't know, nine, 12 um, little German girls at our house all running around, and it was crazy in our apartment, not in our house, we were just in an apartment. It, that was too much. That party could have lasted about 15 minutes, and we would have been good. It would have been fine, but it would, we just went like, oh, please, parents, come home. Um, another party that happens every year, and it lasts about 40 days, if you really think about it, starts with Thanksgiving, goes through Christmas, and then through New Year's. By the time New Year's Day happens, and, and quite actually well before that, I am done eating that stuff, you know, the, the different schedule, the different hours, they just want life to get back to normal, right? Um, and, and then another one, Harvest Palooza. Now, Harvest Palooza does not last too long. That is not the case, but I am definitely glad when it's over because I get to have my Harvest Palooza hangover day the next day on Labor Day and we just get to chill out because it's just so much so much work goes into that, and so many of you know that because you're, you're involved with it so heavily. But, you know, there's, there's a time for a party, and then there's a time to call an end to that party. And, and I want to sort of talk about that idea of resting today. That's where I want to get to. This is such an important part of life and that, that we really take for granted. But at the same time, it's even so much bigger than just taking a day off or sleeping well. And I, I hope that we get to that point and that you are able to see this for what it is. So, so let's sort of go over what we talked about last week. So Jesus had a 1,000-day party, right? Three years. His ministry lasted three years. I mean, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't fast the way that they wanted him to. They, he wouldn't observe the Sabbath the way that he wanted, they wanted him to. All these kinds of things that Jesus just, he was celebrating for a whole 1,000 days. And the celebration was all about the declaration of something brand new coming on the scene, and that is what we call the gospel or the, the good news. And so I'd love to go over that definition of the good news that we were working from last week. You might have thought about it this week. You might have thought, yeah, I would change that or put this. I'd love to hear that from you. But this is the one that I'm going with for right now, and I love it. And the gospel, what we're talking about here, is not really just one specific verse, although there are many verses that talk about it. It's more of an overarching idea or paradigm of, of how the kingdom of God operates that starts all the way in Genesis and goes all the way through Revelation and that we get to live in now today. And Jesus was putting a pinpoint on it and saying, this is, this is why I've come. And so if we could go to that definition of the gospel, Marky, and put that up there. So the gospel is that Jesus, or God, has come near in the form of Jesus to rescue and renew creation through, in and through, the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And we talked about the first two lines of that, that, that God has come near to rescue and renew all of creation, that that is kingdom living. That's the kingdom of God right there. That it is, it is, this is God being near, and this is the work that he is doing. That's the kingdom of God. You know, uh, and, and Romans 14 talks about righteousness, joy, and peace. That is the kingdom of God. That's what we, that's what we have in the kingdom of God there, in those first two lines there. Today, I want to talk about that third part, in and through the work of Jesus on our behalf. Now, um, we talked about how Christianity is 
is really a teaching about how to rest in the Lord. It's, it's not how to earn God's favor like all the other religions of the world. That's religion. That's not gospel. Religion says you have to earn God's favor. Gospel says here is the favor of God. It's already declared over you, and you can join into it if you want to. The gospel is, is really not a set of rules or something that you're supposed to do. That would not be good news, would it? Gospel meaning good news. The gospel is a declaration. It's sort of John Krasinski-ish, right? Or Jim Halpert, however you, what do you ever want to call him from the office, you know, doing his uh, good news network kind of thing. It's, you know, but it's so much better than that. Um, it's it's Jesus' good news for all time, for all eternity, for all people. Um, I would like to really get to the verse today that we're going to talk about. And I'm, I'm just going to mention this verse here right now. And we're going to read it right now. So, and, and, and all the, well, the, hey, there's going to be a lot of verses that I put up. But this verse is the one that we're just going to be examining from different angles. But I'm not going to put it up anymore. So if you and your Bible are on your phone, if you just want to stay in this verse in Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Uh, get your Bible out, get your phone out, whatever. But highlight this, Romans 4, 4 and 5, because when I first read it to you, I don't know, for the 9 o'clock service, they just sort of went over their head, I could tell. With you, like you're a little more awake, the coffee's kicked in, maybe the second coffee, third coffee's kicked in. Like you're ready to go, I know, I, I can tell behind those beautiful masks. But they, we're, we're ready to, to dive into this. So here's, here's the verse that at first might be like, eh, but after we look at it, I hope you see the beauty of it. Now, the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. This is, this is our verse for the day. Okay. Did you get it? Like, did it, did it click? Did it? No, probably not. A little bit, there's two different ways of doing life There's two that, that, that we're given here in Romans chapter 4. The first one is a very human kind of way of doing things. It's a, it's a one-for-one kind of deal where you put in, you put the quarter into the gumball machine and you get the gumball out. You know, you, you, there's an equal payment for what you get. But when we, when we approach the Lord in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way at all. We put in belief, and we get the righteousness of Jesus. Now, in honor, honor of God's word, now that you read it a little bit, I, I'm going to read it, and if you could stand with me right now, just sort of wake you up a little bit and to see it and to see it for what it is, and really, if you could, just stay there in your Bibles. You can, you can follow me if you want to. That's fine. But we're just going to keep coming back, and I hope that as we talk about these different aspects of the gospel that this verse will really come to light for you because it is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense in our world, but it is the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's just amazing. You can't come up with this stuff. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, so totally, totally different approach here, the one who, who doesn't even work, who doesn't work, like that they, they go after this thing not through working, but they, they go through it through a different way. The one who believes 
in him who justifies the ungodly, which is God, his faith is counted as righteous. The one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to really light this up. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in our lives every day. I thank you that you are moving all over this earth. And I thank you that your work, and you do such a good job at it, is to shine a spotlight on Jesus Christ and what he has done. And I pray that you would do that today. Do it today here at Harvest Ridge. Do it today here in, in the rest of the churches in North Ridgeville and all of Ohio and all over the whole world. Would you shine a light on Jesus Christ and would our hearts wake up and see what you have done? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Okay. Now that we've done this way, let's do the Romans 4, 4 through 5 breakdown. Like, you know, the rap style, break it down, like kind of thing where they really, you know, get down and dirty there with the, with, with the music there. Let's, let's look at it this way. Religion, this, this way of working to get something, looks like you work and your wages are what you did for work. It's a, it's a one for one Exchange. I worked for eight hours today, therefore I get eight hours worth of pay. Okay, that's religion. I go to church, I pay my tithes, I volunteer, I pray for some people, therefore God owes me. That's religion. That is not what Jesus prescribed by any means. Jesus prescribed this that you approach God by believing in him and believing in Jesus who justifies the ungodly and you receive righteousness for it. And this is like a zero equals a Google. Did you, did you hear that? A Google? It's not Google, but I think that's where they got it from because a Google, my kids told me this, is 10 to the hundredth power, which means 10 with a hundred zeros on it or 10 with 99 zeros on it or something like that. A lot, a lot, a lot of zeros on the end of it that we can't really fathom how big this number is. That is what the gospel is. And this righteousness thing, we gotta talk about that righteous thing though. Okay, so the opposite of righteousness is shame. It's not um, like a, a, a moral kind of thing. Righteousness is not a moral kind of thing. We've turned it into that. But that's not what it is. It is more of a, I, I, I said this last week, like you're, you're wearing the right clothes to the party. Like, yeah, have you ever not worn the right clothes to the party? Like, that's just, there was one time I was in Switzerland and there was this big shindig for one guy and I was, I just, it was sort of casual all the time and sort of, I went sort of casual. This was not a casual event. I was the foreigner for sure. It, it's just very uncomfortable. Or you go to the judge and the judge says, hey, you're, you know what, you're good. Like you thought that you were going to owe a kabillion dollars, but you really don't. It's been paid for you. That's more the idea of righteousness. Another way of looking at righteousness as well is it's the thing that you put your confidence in and the, the, the thing that you, that you really are hoping in. Um, so I, I probably the best way to look at this is what happens if you if you're trusting in this thing and it destroys if you if it gets destroyed if you ever have experienced 
a moment of just deep loss, of feeling like this just happened, my world is crushed. Now, for teenagers, this happens about every day. But we're really taught, like, this is a growing into what it really means to have your world shattered, right? Teenagers, that was a slam on you. I'm sorry. But I've lived there, too. That's the way it was for me. Like, oh, I can't believe it. I got a pimple on my forehead, and it looks like a cyclops. And now my world's over, and I can't go to school, you know? Um, what if, um, okay, let's, let's illustrate it this way. What if, um, like, on... November 5th or something, you wake up and life isn't how you want it to be for some reason on November 5th. I don't know, I just came up with that out of nowhere. And you're like, world's over, we're done, no more reason to live because everything, my, the guy is not in there that's supposed to be, this is done, we're done. Okay. Um, if that happens, then you realize that you have put your hope and your trust and, and all your dreams in the wrong place. Jesus says that there is a hope in him that can never be destroyed, that will last for all of eternity. And so if our hope is ever completely destroyed, we realize, oh, I've not been putting my hope in Jesus. That's this idea of righteousness, where, where our, our hopes, our dreams, our glory, our, our, our joy is what it, where it's found in. And, and, and ours, our hope is found in Jesus Christ. It, it, that is the way, that is the way to live in, in the gospel. Okay, let's keep going. How to live in the gospel. We talked about Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, where Jesus came on the scene and he said, all right, this is the good news. God is here. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe the good news of God. The kingdom is here. It's right here. God is here with you to rescue and renew all of creation, right? Repent and believe it. Here's how this works. November 5th, you wake up, you realize that you put your hopes in the wrong things, you're smashed on the floor, you think life is over. In that moment, the Holy Spirit talks to you and he says, wait a second, life still goes on because God is the Alpha and Omega and he is the beginning and the end and he is the Ancient of Days who rides in the clouds of glory and, and, and all nations bow to him. So why are you so messed up right now? And you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was rooting for Biden or Trump. I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't realize that I was putting all my hopes and dreams on this guy, but I was. Oh, God. I was facing this direction, going towards these guys, putting all my hopes and dreams in them. And now I, I repent and I say, no, Jesus, you are the Lord and King over all of the universe, and I put my hope and my dreams in you. Okay, that's how we enter into the gospel. That's why we enter into this peace and joy and righteousness as in, in Romans chapter 14. That's how that happens. It's a repenting of the wrong belief and you walk in the light of the right belief and there is action that is a, that is a part of it. Okay, this is really the verse that I thought, okay, um, you know, when I found out at the beginning of the week that, yeah, it looks like I'll be preaching again. If there, I woke up on Monday morning and, and it was, okay, this is what we need to talk about today. I made a statement last week that said that all religions teach you how to earn God's favor, but Christianity teaches you, the teachings of Christ teach you how to rest in God's favor. It's already been done for you. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What does this rest look like? What does it look like to rest in Christ? And, and in order to do that, I need to say one more thing. 
before we jump into today's stuff. Actually, this is today's stuff, but, but this is sort of like wrapping up the gospel ideas here. The gospel first impacts us, then we are able to jump into the work of Jesus that he has for this world. Okay, so that second line, so God, God, um, and God is here, that's the first part of the gospel, to rescue and renew creation. You and I are part of creation, right? This rescuing and renewing that happens needs to happen first with us before we can join in the work of Jesus to join him in the rescuing and renewing of all things. If it doesn't happen with us first, if it doesn't happen daily with us first, we can't enter into the work that Jesus has because we'll be doing it from a totally different perspective of a one-to-one kind of thing where the religion side of things where I do something and therefore I get something for it. We need to first enter into the rescuing and the renewing. How does this happen? Let's go back to November 5th. November 5th, you're laying on the floor. Uh, everything's terrible and awful because my guy didn't get in. You say, wow, I'm wrong. I was trusting and believing in the wrong thing, and now I turn to Christ, and I turn to make him Lord and Savior, put him on the throne where he's supposed to be. In that moment, there is a death and a resurrection and a new life. Did you see that? Your death and resurrection didn't just happen when you made Jesus Lord years and years ago or maybe last week or whenever it was for the first time. That, that death and resurrection gets to happen in us constantly. How in the world are you going to be able to pick up a cross daily, right? That is death. You die daily with Christ and he renews you into new creation every day. And it's in the form of the thing that you just died to. So this one, I died to politics being, you know, it's just an example, politics being my Lord and Savior and my hope for all the world. When you die to that, you are raised to new life in Christ where he is where he is supposed to be. That is a rescuing and renewing, very practical rescuing and renewing that happens all the time. Now, it can happen where these are huge crushing blows that last for like three years, where it's a really totally resetting of your whole life, just being rocked to your core of, whoa, I, and, I, and usually it's, I didn't even realize that that was the idol in my life. Yes, I just called it an idol in your life. Sometimes, though, it's just you driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off and you get totally ticked. You, you give them some sign language that isn't very nice and then and you realize, wait a second, what did I just do? Like, that's not me. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I am not Lord and King over I-480. <laughs> Jesus is I, Lord and King over I-480. This is not my lane. This is not my, this is God's Everything is God's. It's not my lane at all. It's God's. And so it might just be that little tiny kind of renewing and rescuing from a terrible way of driving. Like, who wants to have road rage? So he's rescuing and renewing us continually, but at the same time, he invites us into this work of rescuing and renewing all of creation. Okay. I want to talk about how this applies to our lives in work and rest. Once again, we're really just talking about Romans 4, 4 and 5. 
about how it looks to live in a religion way of approaching God or how it lives in a gospel approach to God. Okay, so first and foremost, we need to look at how work started. And work started in a garden. How beautiful is that? If we can go to Genesis chapter 1, this is right when God created it, all the people. I, well, all the people. He created Adam. He created mankind, started off. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. We were given work to do as the human race. And this was, this is way before Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and the fall happened. Okay. So this is, work is not a punishment. Work is something that God has given us to enjoy and to work with him and to join in with him. It is a beautiful privilege and a gift that God has given us. It's like he was, it, it, I looked at this up a bit and it said vice regents. You and I get to be vice regents on the earth. And that's sort of just like being a steward. You know, it's not ours, but we rule over it. And, and, and here's how it works. We are given the responsibility for the welfare and well-being of the earth and everything in it. And at the same time, we get to use these things to our benefit. This is, this is how it was to be. And this is a lot of work. A lot of work. Jesus rescues you. Uh, never mind. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move on, okay? What happens if you are not working? What happens if you are not going along with what God says and how he prescribed his human race? I just say some hard statements here. Unemployment causes you to fall below God's standard for how he wants you to live. Okay? I have been out of a job for a little while. It was awful. I hated it. We live in a different world right now where a lot of people are working from home. I'm not talking about that. If you are, you know it is a very different ball of wax working from home. There's, there's a, a lot of different things to juggle. There's a lot of grace that needs to be given in those situations. I'm talking about if you are in the spot where you say, you know what? I just sort of make more money if I don't work than if I do work. So I think I'm just going to stay at home and not work. That is causing you to fall below the standard that God has given you to live. Because working isn't all about making money. Let me say that again. Working is not all about making money. There is something deep in our soul that has been placed there by God that when you are not working, you just die. And, and you turn into somebody that you don't want to be at all. Unemployment is not the way to go. Also, retirement is not the way to go. In the kingdom of God, there is no retirement. I'm a 40-year-old guy. Maybe I'll be thinking differently about this, and I'll need some 40-year-old guy to preach this to me then too. But retirement is not in the kingdom of God. Okay, you might not have to earn a paycheck anymore, but that doesn't mean that there is huge work that can't be done and that you have not been, you've been created to continue to be productive and to bear fruit and to pour into people's lives. There are so many of you older people who have gone through life 
and you have the scars to prove it, and you have learned the hard way, and you've learned from other people, and there's so much that you need to pass on to us. Please don't hole up and die, because a lot of people, they get retired, two years, three years later, they're dead, like literally dead, because something has died inside of them. All the fishing, all the golfing, all the whatever is not going to fill up what God has placed in you to do. Okay? Can I get an amen? All right, good. There is also work in heaven. Yes, there is work in heaven. It says we will judge angels up there. If there was work before the fall, that God gave work for us to be doing, work will be after the fall as well. But it's not going, like, it's going to be just an amazing experience. You're not going to be plucking harps all day, okay? There's going to be, it's just, it's going to be awesome. And if you've been at Harvest Ridge at any time, you have heard Pastor Crow's, one of his life verses, which is 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Put that one up there. You've seen this one before. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. My father-in-law, if you know Paul Judy, he just retired. And I was able to say this to him when he retired because he lived this life. He, this, this is what he, he, he kept his head down, he worked hard, and he won the respect of many men who he worked around. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift to be able to have that. So work, producing, it is essential to life. Establish that, right? Like, that's, that's, that's cool. Like, we get that. Can I get an amen? All right, thank you. I want to move on, though, to the rest part. Because if there is one very prevalent issue in our society, it is workaholicism. Is that a word? I just said it, so you know what I mean. Human beings are human beings. They're not human doings, right? You've heard that before. And there's a way to live in which you do to be or you be to do. You like that Yoda stuff right there? All right, so it is, it is a, it's the way that God has prescribed it is that you be first. You're a human being and then you work. Um, have you ever noticed that one of the big ten, one, one, one of the ten commandments is observe the Sabbath. Can make the Sabbath day holy, just a day, a day off during the week. Now, it was to honor God and to respect God and all that, but a huge part of it was just to not do any work. Isn't that weird that it'd be in the Big Ten, like right up there with don't murder? It's on the same playing field. Don't murder is right up there with not taking a day off, not resting. Crazy, right? Another cool thing Okay, we said on the sixth day, I don't know if I said this before, but on the sixth day, God created man. What was the seventh day? What did God do on the seventh day? The first thing that mankind got to experience was rest. Come on, think about that some. God didn't create Adam and say, all right, go plow the field. 
All right, come on, Adam. Like, seriously, like these animals stink. You need to take care of them. This needs to be taken care of. Like, they're hungry. Like, I can't do it all. So you got to do something here. Like, I created you for a reason. So get to work. That was not what God did at all. He created Adam and he said, rest. Adam didn't do anything to deserve or earn that at all. He was just there. That's sort of like your baby doesn't deserve your love, right? Doesn't deserve you to wake up in the middle of the night. Doesn't deserve you to clean the stuff. <laughs> I'm a few years removed from it, so it's a little rough. So, like, they didn't deserve any of that. It was just, it was a gift. Same thing for you and I. Same thing for Adam. He was, it was a gift. Okay. To, to, to illustrate what, how important this is, I, 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 you've been wondering why Buddy Barrel is hanging here so lovely on this easel. Buddy Barrel has many uses in life. And, and this is, I don't know if it's been used this way before, but this is, this is how I want to illustrate this today. There is, a, there is a, a rhythm to life that if it's not observed, things just go chaotic and things just get really bad. Well, it's like doing the whole gravity thing, you know, cozy, or it's like, you know, moving, but, or maybe I'm just have a terrible throw here. So there's rest and work and rest and work and rest and work. It is not rest, 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 rest. And, and it is not work, 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 work. It is a, wow, that's a really bad one. There we go. Maybe that's a little better. Can you stay? Can you keep going? Good. It's a rest and work. If we put this little slide up here, I like to think of it like a semicircle. This, this, this rotation, this, this pendulum swing going back and forth. And when I see a semicircle, I try and remind myself, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the way it's supposed to be done. Where I work, rest, I rest, I work. Jesus talked about it like abiding and bearing fruit. If we go to John chapter 15, that's where we see this. We see this natural rhythm of life. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So one way or another, you're getting cut, all right? It's great, promise. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Let's go to the next part here, though. Remain in me as I also remain in you. There's abiding here that happens. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And this is a huge, wonderful, amazing promise that as we follow this rhythm of, of rest, and work or abiding and bearing fruit, this happens. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Okay, here's, here's, here's how this looks. We abide first. We spend time with the Lord. We rest then we work, okay? And then as we're going through, we, we start to grow like that vine. It starts to grow. 
But growth isn't really where it's all at. It's, it's, it's in the fruit that happens when you get all the way over to this side. It's so beautiful because you, you abide in the Lord and, and, and then he helps you to not hit the rest of the easel. And he, he works in you as you grow in him. Without the abiding part, though, you don't get the nutrients, you don't get the rest, you don't get what you really need to go forward. And so as you go forward and as you grow, then the fruit pops. But here's where we fall into a lot of problems. Oh, man, I'm seeing all this fruit popping out of my ears. This is amazing stuff that's happening in my life. People are coming to know Jesus. I'm getting to work really hard and I'm making tons of money. It's awesome. I'm going to stay over here for as long as I can. You will get cut. Because every branch that doesn't remain in me. Snip. But even as you're going back and you realize, oh, I need to go back into rest. There's a pruning that's happening. That's not easy. It's not easy to move this move from the sweet spot and, and, and move into something that's, oh, I got to get cut back again. Ah. This is going to happen over and over and over in your life. If you don't let it happen, the fruitfulness never happens. This is something that God has prescribed. And this, this can happen. You can, you can observe this every day. You can, you know, spending time with the Lord, abiding with him, that doesn't happen. This real, true, good stuff isn't going to happen. And really, the abiding is really where the true, good stuff is. You can observe this through a week. Take a day off. Take a day off. Now, if you're, you got little kids and you're in that season of life, you, you help each other out and, and the rest may not look like a full day or that kind of stuff because there's always stuff to happen. Or you're in a different season of life where, you know, you got older parents and you got to take care of them now. It's just, it's just weird. But, you, but as much as it's up to you, abide in the Lord so that you can bear fruit. And abide in the Lord so you can bear fruit. Jesus did this with his, with his disciples. He would go away. He'd spend all night praying. Leave them. You know, crazy, amazing miracles would happen. And Jesus would spend a whole night and go away. And then everybody the next day is like, where's Jesus? Like, he needs to get out there because this is like top-notch time to really do your work. Where are you? Jesus went back to resting. He went with to abiding. He would tell his disciples, come away with me for a while. Let's go to a quiet place. That's his invitation to you too. There's a bigger deal going on here though between just rest and work in our physical, what we do day in and day out. There's a much deeper work that the Lord is trying to illustrate to us here. It's sort of like in Star Wars. Of course, it all comes back to Star Wars. Star Wars, you, you always have these two different battles going on. You have the Empire versus the Rebels going on here, and then maybe in some side room or Exegol or somewhere, you have, you have the, the Jedi versus the Sith. You have these two different things going on, and really that's what's going on here as well. There's something on the surface going on. Everybody can see rest and work, you know, taking a day off, but there's something so much deeper going on that the Lord wants to talk to you. Why do you think that the Ten Commandments, that it has taking a day off right there with don't kill people? 
It's because it is directly violating everything that the Lord wants for you. Okay, you're not respecting somebody else's life in the don't kill people, and you're not respecting what God has created in you in the other one. I just thought of that. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I did not think about that before, but that is nice. You like that? Because I like that. I'm going to take a sip here. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. Man, that is good. Man, take praise you, Jesus. All right. So, so being a workaholic, it's right there with murdering people because you're not respecting life one way or the other. And what happens is that when you're working all the time, it turns into a self-worship or a self-loathing or an others' worship or an others' loathing. And, and that's not what God has for you. And this is... Okay, so we're talking about in and through the work of Jesus. So when we're not living in in the gospel, when we're living in, I'm doing this for myself and I'm working for myself, this is sort of what it looks like. I'll take a couple of illustrations, and I already asked Aaron about this one, so yeah, it'll be okay, right, babe? I could share this one? Maybe. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so... Um, when we were over in Germany, this really came to a head. I think it was always this way through our marriage, but it really came to a head, and I really saw it for what it was over there. Uh, so they, uh, I have a, a nighttime ritual, uh, maybe not ritual, a, a routine, sort of a pattern, because I don't sleep very good at night. And so if this one little thing is, is off, it's going to wake me up, and I, I don't want it to be that way. Okay, and my wife, my wife says jokingly that I'm like a cat who has to knead on things and like walk around and knead a little more before I can fall asleep. Was I getting the movement right? How you do that? I'd love for you to come up here and do it because it's so good. <laughs> I, I didn't practice that before I did it, but it's a really cool dance move, babe. Um, but, but that's what she says, like, I have to do. So over in Germany, we had like these armor things that would come down over our windows they were awesome. They would block out all the light and most of the sound, and it was like you were sleeping in a cave. Like, who? Like, that's awesome. It, is, it was so great. So I'd have to go around all the windows and lower those, and, and then I'd have to make sure that the coffee is ready, and I'd have to make sure that the kids are, are doing okay and make sure that my work area is cleaned up so that the next day I don't have to, like, all, you know, move things around. And, and I, I'd have to make sure that, um, you know, the doors were locked and the, the windows were the right way open just enough, the, the right, like, just enough cool air coming in, but not too much because then I'd wake up. All these different things, <laughs> all while my wife is sitting on the couch watching TV. I'm the one doing all the work. How dare she sit on the couch and watch TV? Now, I mean, side note, we don't need to talk about how she was a mom of little kids and she was doing stuff all day long. We're just talking about the things that we're just doing right here, right? Right here, this is just my world. She's living in it. <laughs> yeah, this is my world, girl. You're living in it. And, and so I'm doing all the work. Why does she think that she could get away with sitting on the couch and doing nothing? I'm amazing, she's not very amazing. That's where, that's where that goes to. When it's all about me, we talked about this, Mom, we've we worked through these issues. We are pros, we're amazing at marriage now. I'm so glad we've arrived. Um, you're right. Uh, there was another one where we were living in Illyria and we had some renters next door to us. 
And uh, sometimes they wouldn't cut the grass. Sometimes it would go a long time without them cutting the grass. And so I decided one day that I was going to help them out. I wanted to do something nice, and so I cut the grass for them. And then as I was cutting the grass, I was like, wow, this is bigger than I thought it was. Um, but I'm, I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still work on it. And um, really, actually, I'm, I'm pretty amazing for doing this and cutting this grass for them. Like, I wonder if they're just sitting inside, just like watching TV or, you know, sipping on some iced tea. And, but I'm out here doing, I'm pretty amazing. I guess I cut my grass and their grass. Like, wow, like way over and above. In fact, and this thought actually came into my mind. I am not kidding. The Chronicle Telegram should come over and do a story on me, a like good neighbor of the month. Like, don't they have that in the, in the Chronicle? I don't know if they do. I never read the Chronicle, but I'm sure they do somewhere have this good neighbor of the month. My lawnmower was not amazing. It, it, was, it was tough working with that one. John, you know. You know. <laughs> but the, 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 the people that weren't working, though, they weren't that great. Those renters, actually, they were very lazy, and I really didn't appreciate them very much living next to me, and really, they should pull their weight. Actually, they're pretty low. I'm amazing. They're awful. Self-worship, others' loathing. Then I turned the tables when we went to Germany, and I realized that I am at home because I don't have a job over there because nobody cares that I'm there, and I don't know the language, and I don't have a specific work to be done yet because that hasn't, the relationships haven't developed yet or anything like that because I don't know the language, and I'm just sort of stuck at home doing nothing. While I'm watching the people outside walk to the train station in their nice clothes and their handbags going to work. Self-loathing, others worshiping. Wow, look at those people. They're so wonderful. They're so amazing. I wish I could be like them. When we don't live in the gospel and it's all about my work and what I do, I can never enter into the rest that God has for me. I can never enter into it. It goes so much deeper. I can do all the good works and the good things that I want to do, and I really wanted to serve my wife, but I couldn't do it because it was all about how good I was and all the things that I do and all the things she doesn't do. This goes so deep. This is such a deep work that the Lord wants to do in you. He opened my eyes up, though to show me that it is all in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. My identity, my value, and my worth as a man does not rest on the eight hours that I put in today. It rests solely in Jesus Christ. And then as I rest in what Jesus Christ has done for me, where he's rescued and renewed me, I can then impact others and cut the grass without thinking I need a dang article in the Chronicle Telegram about it. Right? Like, it's, like when we rest in what Jesus has done, when it's not about my identity and how great I am or anything like that, where I rest in what Jesus has done, this is what I get. So my work starts from a place of rest in what Jesus has done first before I go into work. I asked the band to come up. I, I, I used to have this visual, visualization in my, this is sort of how a week would go in my life. Um, I'll just take my time here at Harvest Ridge. So 
It would either be a good week or a bad week. And a good week was based on if I thought that I had done a lot of work that week and was productive. And a bad week was where I didn't really feel like I got much done. So, so uh, we would always have worship practice on Thursday nights. And, and at the end of that worship practice, like I'd be you know, all day at the, the office, something you know, like 8 o'clock, eight, 9 o'clock, whatever. I can't remember when we would finish. But I would get done and I'd be heading home and I'm like, I am dead beat tired. I am exhausted. I nailed it this week. I did so good. And man, I can't wait for my day off tomorrow on Friday. And I'm just going to be able to relax because I earned it. Like I nailed it this week. And then there'd be some weeks where I didn't. And then I would, on my day off, I'd be like, wow, I really didn't earn this at all. That's not what God says. <laughs> the, 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 the first interaction that a human had on this earth was rest. Not because he earned it, because it was a gift. Because that's how, that's how Jesus deals with us. We, we believe in who he is as the one who justifies the ungodly. And, and it's credited to us as righteousness. Now I like to look at life a little differently. I try and have this kind of a mental picture where um, I, I'm, I wake up in the morning and Jesus and I get to have a cup of coffee on, on the back porch on a beautiful August morning, a little bit of mist or haze on the fields. We're out in a farm setting. Jesus and I are just talking up, just enjoying, just resting together, just enjoying each other's company. He's actually enjoying my company, which is crazy. And then at a certain point, he says, all right, let's hit the tractor. There's some corn to be brought in. Let's go. It's not a, dude, get out there. You need to get to work. Go get that corn in. Come on. It's an invitation into the work that he has, that he's already doing and saying, man, I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. Let's. Let's go, let's go get some corn. Let's go bring in the harvest. I don't care what job you have. Working with people, there's a harvest out there. I'm going to sing a song, and, and then I'm going to come up and I'll close things out. But in this moment, you can stand or sit however you want it to be. Speak to the Lord. What's, what's hard about this? Is the resting part or is the working part? What, what part are you struggling with? Give it to him.
there is a miraculous work that the Lord is doing in your life right now. The truth will set you free. And this is the truth about how we've been created and what Jesus has done. This is a declaration over your life that God is for you. He is right here. He is rescuing and renewing your life. He is doing a work so much deeper than you could even imagine. It starts with you being a child of God, not because you earned anything for it. Freely you have been given and freely you receive. Some of you, you're not there yet. And, and, and I'd like to give you some homework. Have you ever noticed how strange, have you ever thought about, it's just so strange that we, we're, we're like a, running on a battery that has to be recharged every day. Like our battery only lasts about a half a day. Isn't that weird? Isn't that, I mean, is this sort of strange that a third to a half of our life we spend laying down with our eyes shut, totally unaware about anything else that's going on around us. Isn't this weird? Like we only have a few years on this earth. Shouldn't we get done as much possible as we can? Maybe it's that way because God was speaking something prophetically about how the human is, how the human race is designed. That every day we enter into his rest. Every day we say, what's done is done. What's not done is not done. I rest. Where, where we depend completely on God. We are totally vulnerable. Totally. If there's any time that I could take Chuck Norris out, it's probably during that six to 10 hour window. Totally bust him in the face over and over again before we would really know what's going on. I mean, he's Chuck Norris, but still, I would. No, right? Anybody, anybody totally vulnerable. You don't spend that time, things start going wacky. Homework. As you lay down to sleep, which I hope that you're doing every day, and you're doing mm, closer to eight than six. As you lay down, you say, Lord, I enter into your rest. What you have done is enough. I rest in that today. It's not all about what I, what I do. It's about who you are and that I am a child, your child. And as a benediction, I want to read Zephaniah 3.17. This, 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 it, it don't get much better than this verse. And if this verse is not a regular part of your life and you saying, this is the truth and this is who God is, I hope that it is Zephaniah 317. The Lord, come on, just, just receive this today, please. I don't know when I get to see you again. And if there's anything I wanna pray over you and for you to receive, it's this. The Lord, your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. It's, it's such an important verse to me that I've made it into a song and I sing it over my kids all the time and over me 
as I'm cutting the grass, thinking I'm amazing, right? The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you. Rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you. Rejoice over you with singing. Jesus, let us receive that today. The mighty warrior who saves, not just one time, but over and over and over and over and over again. For the rest of eternity, you will save and rescue and redeem us. And we will enter into your work after we have rested and work with you to see the entire creation come to be rescued and renewed. That is our hope. It is not in a government. It is in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the mighty warrior of saves. Lord, would you rest over your people as the mighty warrior who saves, who takes great delight in them. We praise you, Jesus, for what you've done. Amen. Amen. You, you can go. We got some prayer cards on the table back there somewhere. We got to stay in contact with Seriously, we love you so much. Thank you for putting up with me for a few minutes here. We'll see you again sometime soon. We love you.